head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 271, I believe, of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Graham McDonnell, the man himself, the Morrissey of Irish MMA media, the Axel Rose of Irish MMA media, the Don, the man who's been around the scene longer than anyone else. Graham, how are you? Fine day for us. Yeah, yeah, it is a fine day for it. Uh, yeah, it's been a decent week, so happy with that. And uh, the fights last night, I thought were, were pretty entertaining. Excellent. Yeah, submission island, as people were calling it, tweeting me happily saying that there's submissions in the UFC. I believe that. I was fucking thinking all week, right? Uh, I'm, I, I feel like I might be forgetting one, but I don't think I was. The last submission in the UFC in a title fight was Habib versus Paria back in September. So that it was coming up on a year without a submission in the UFC. Unfortunately, Devinson Figueiredo ruined my crack for me, but sure, look, what could you do? What could you do with that fucker? Ah, yeah, these things happen sometimes in MMA. They do, indeed, they do happen in MMA sometimes, but sure, look, fair play to him, anyway, it was a good win, and uh, we'll, uh, we, look, we'll get into that in a second, actually. The first thing I want to talk about uh, is, is Irish MMA, because there hasn't been much Irish MMA to talk about recently, so we might as well, um, we might as well talk about the, when the news happens for it, and then we'll, we'll get into the card. We'll start with the good news first. Reese McKee uh, has signed for the UFC and he's fighting uh, the guy who fought the last, the Hazmat Chimiev, if I'm pronouncing that right, which is a, about as tough a matchup as you can possibly get in your UFC debut. But needless to say, uh, I think everyone's delighted that Reese uh, is in the UFC and he gets his shot in the UFC. I think it's, we'll get to everything in a, in a second about it, but I think it's a good thing as well. And I know it's happened before with Norman Park and stuff, but I think it's good that it's. Irish guys are getting into the UFC and it's not Conor McGregor dragging them up, you know, and I, I know it's happened for other guys, not just Norman Park before as well, you know, like the, the Team Rhino guys and things like that, but in the last while, like, just Duffy retired last night, which we'll obviously get to shortly, uh, and McGregor retired as well, and there was no Irish fighter in the UFC there for like a, an hour period <laughs> until Reese McKee got signed, so it's... It's good to see that happening, and it's good to see Reese in, in the in the UFC. I I tweeted out a video last night of um I, I think it was an, I think it was Andrew who, who um interviewed Reese when he was an amateur and was on up on Severe MMA, and it's great as well to see guys coming from the amateurs ha- having interviewed him for Severe MMA and then getting to the UFC as well. Obviously on the zooms and everything. So I I know you've a soft spot for Reese, and you've always been uh, you've always liked Reese. You glad to see him getting the he shot in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since we kind of watched somebody come from, like, you know, starting out as an amateur, or watch their progress, like, develop. We even talked to Reese on the on the Zoom, as you mentioned, about kind of the turning point in his career where it kind of all clicked. And I think it was that Battle Zone tournament where he beat uh, your boy Lubishante mm-hmm. and uh, and Alexander O'Sullivan on the same night. And he just looked, he just looked like a different fighter than we've seen before. And he looked ready for pro and... It was soon after that that he got the, the kind of late call to, to make his pro debut at welterweight when mm-hmm. he'd been fighting at featherweight before against Johnny Jitsu and uh, it, we, like we were there the whole way and you kind of you kind of you know you get a bit more invested in these guys and it's been a while since that happened as you mentioned it kind of 
back in the day, we 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 thought the same thing with kind of Paddy Hulahan and Kyle Pendred and all the all all those guys that came after Connor. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's been a few it's been a few years, and as you mentioned, there was I don't know if I believe these these retirements, but uh, there used to be like what seven or eight Irish guys in the yeah. UFC at one stage, and now there's there's one or two or three. Yeah, double. One, <laughs> well, you know, MMA, well, hashtag MMA hashtag MMA yeah, but yeah, like there was, say, Ashling Daly, Artem Lavov, Cahill Pindred, Paddy Hoolan, the two lads from Team Rhino Reds are in, and Siri, Conor McGregor, Joseph Duffy, Norman Park. I feel like I have everyone. Am I forgetting anyone? Did I say Paddy Hoolan? Like that was a lot of people in the OC, and for not for a second there, for even if it was only an hour, for no one, and I, even if it was only hashtag MMA retirements, for there no one to be. In, it was a bit sad. I was sitting there, I was like. Ugh. This is sad, like, and you know, you you said there, uh, we haven't in a long time watched someone coming from an amateur, and I well, I've I suppose I have done a little bit, but it's different when it's Bellator, Bellator isn't it? Because I saw James Gallagher fighting as an amateur, you know, in those Cage Warriors fights, and it was kind of cool seeing him uh, headline in in the Tree Arena, and you know, even for your own fucking, oh, I saw this guy, you know, you could <laughs> you could tell the story about seeing him coming from amateur up to uh, up to professional, but. With the UFC, it feels a little bit different. It felt like it felt cool. I remember, I think, I think it was on this podcast we were talking about. Was it that? When was it? In two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, what would it be? Myself and Andrew talking on the podcast about uh, John Redmond versus Reese McKee, and should he be making his debut up away against John Redmond, who's been around for a long time? You know, had oh, up two weights at the time. Or up two weights, <laughs> yeah. That's it's it's crazy to think of that. Like we were talking on this podcast, we were talking about his debut, and now he's in the UFC. It's. It's a, just for us, like we, we, Dwayne McGee, we'll take all the plaudits for this. But uh, yeah, it, it, look, it's it's fantastic, and hopefully, the the likes of Ian Gary, the likes of Paul Hughes, the likes of Dickie McLean, and maybe and the other guys coming up behind him, and the lads from down in Cork as well are on their way up through the cage where you're seen, uh, and it'd be absolutely be brilliant. But like, we, let's talk about Reese himself for a second, because I know you mentioned him there, and there was kind of turning points. But I think he's he'd had a few turning points in his career. That Tim Barnett fight. Um, which you can talk about in a second, but that was a very tough fight for him, wasn't it? And then they the came on to the Terry Brazier fight, and that was a very tough... Like, the Tim Barnett fight, that was the one where he weight cut issues and stuff, wasn't it? And the Terry Brazier fight was just... He got kind of got wrestled, and he got badly beaten in that fight, and he popped back, and he got three wins in Cage Warriors after that, you know, after being in, in Bama. And, you know, beat guys who've been around for a long time, Jefferson George and Perry Goodwin in a, in a fucking war, and Hakan Foss as well, okay, who's not the same fighter he used to be, but still three good wins against three guys uh around the place and i remember we did i actually when i was looking up the the clip last night we did a severe snippet at the time and saying how comfortable reese mckee looks in the cage at times and that's the kind of the sign for what will take you to the next level and i think you know we we talk about it all the time about you know mcgregor coming up and how he got to the ufc and how he got to so good how, how good he was and it was the amount of fights he had. Like, Reese McGee, he's 10-2-1 now. So he's had 13 fights before he got to the UFC. And he's had a lot of amateur fights as well before, as as you mentioned, fighting good guys like Valdrum Lubashanti, who I read very highly, and Richie Smullen, who we've seen in Bellator and on Tough, and yeah, Owen yeah. Drumgoul. I actually, yeah, yeah, I said earlier it was Alex O'Sullivan he beat on, but it was actually uh, Owen Drumgoul that he yeah. beat on the same night as uh, Lubashanti. Mm-hmm. But like that path for Reese, the the Tim Barnett loss especially, I think was something that kind of, and he drew with Richie Smullen as a pro as well. But that was that kind of period there, I think, kind of turned his career around again. Even though like he was four 0 and beat fucking Tommy McCarthy and Joy Herbert, who's you know everyone rated Tommy McCarthy and Joy Herbert's in the UFC now as well. But that that kind of period was what a fighter needs. If you come through that, you you're going to be very good if you're as good as Reese McKee, aren't you? 
Yeah, I think like the Tim Barnett one as well kind of taught him a lesson about the weight cutting and all that stuff. Like uh, I was talking to his coach Rodney Moore after the the, the fight that he lost to Barnett and uh, on the day like in the in the arena, and he was saying, "Oh, before even he was puking the whole time, had some flu on the." toilet all the time when he was hitting the pads there was nothing in them I was like why didn't you pull him from the fight mm-hmm. it was like yeah it was not real you know I think that was a lesson learned there like and maybe you, you got to learn these lessons you know uh, like, obviously it's great to have, if you had like a what 13 and 0 record or whatever but I think that the loss to Barnett even the loss to Terry Brazier and even the draw with Richie Smullen were important lessons on the way and he's looked even before the Terry Brazier fight, but especially since the Terry Brazier fight, he's looked uh, more complete as a fighter and more more confident and more smooth in there. I, I can't remember which fight it was. You said it was the, the best Irish performance since uh, Eddie Alvarez and, and Connor. Yeah. Well, can you remember which fight that was? I'm was not- that the... I think it might have been the Jefferson George fight. Maybe was it? I, I mm. could look. I could look it up. I'll, I'll find out afterwards because it's on the severe scene. If you look up severe May and and Reese McKee on YouTube, maybe, maybe it was the Tim Barnett fight. No, I think it was the Tim Barnett fight, wasn't it? It was the second one. He was. He, I think everyone kind of agreed after that. We were talking about it in the bike. Like he just he kind of glided around the cage. You know, it was. Uh, the level of comfort in the cage is something I always look at. You know, as someone who doesn't understand how to fucking throw a punch properly or can't tell you, like, the, the technique of uh, of winning a decision against Alexander Volkanovsky or something like that. I'll, I'll try my best. But you can... S- I think anyone can see the level of comfort someone has. Like, the look on their face. And, you know, we, we on a different to- kind of topic, but we talked about should they have crowd noise uh, in, uh, in MMA. And, like, you absolutely don't need it because... You don't need a crowd to tell you the story. You can see it on the fighter's face. You can see exactly what they're thinking at all times because they, you can't hide in that sort of situation. You can't put on a you know a Colby Covington or a Henry Cejudo act in that situation. That's really them inside there. And it's the same when Reese McKee fights. You can you can't cod someone into being comfortable. You know you are are into thinking that you're comfortable in there. You just have to be comfortable in there. And there's no doubt about it. Like I, I interviewed him there a couple of Jesus it was nearly well I don't know how long a couple of months ago at this stage like he's very he's a very quiet he's on he was on the zooms as well but he's like a funny kind of quietness but you can kind of see that he turns on the switch and he's there's an intelligence to him as well and that's the sort of fighter you need but this this fight against hazmat shimaev you know we talked about him only last week he he was the guy who beat the breaks off john john phillips got a 10-7 round on a card this is about uh, I know he's only seven and zero. Okay, and maybe I'm saying it's about the toughest matchup as you get in UFC. You could get fucking Colby Covington, I suppose, and it'd be tougher. But as as a debutant against someone around similar sort of record to you, it's a tough, tough, tough matchup for Reese McGee. I like. To, I don't want to put be a party booper on or anything, but I think it's horrendously bad matchmaking. Like, why would you do this? I I get get him into the UFC in a different way and give him that fight in the, down the line a little bit, but. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how, what what kind of training he's been doing and that kind of thing. Um, obviously his opponent's coming off like a, a camp, um, and didn't really take any damage in the the Phillips fight, so he's he's ready to go. But how ready to go is Reese? We we don't really know. Yeah. Obviously the coronavirus has affected things, and he didn't. He wasn't expecting the fight, you know, this week or this weekend. So, yeah. Um. It, it, who knows what shape he's in yeah, and gyms as well are, are gyms still open like obviously up to north is and under the the rules of I, I assume it's the same rules as over in england and all that so i don't i don't think the gyms if they are open they're open not not that long so it's i'm sure he was training by himself and keeping fit and everything and it's 
you know, obviously, he was, as you said, he fought down at featherweight and lightweight before, but he was a, a big lightweight, obviously, very young, kind of grown up. And this is at welterweight. And Shimaev's last fight against John Phillips was at middleweight. So, you know, he didn't look oversized in that. So, someone coming up, you know, he's obviously going to be a little bit bigger than Reese, but Reese is tall and big. And, like, if Reese can win this fight. It, I think it shows that he's on the, you know, he he could be getting a fast track because there's there's nothing to hide in terms of Shimaev. You know, we've seen how good he is. He destroyed John Phillips, a 10-7 round, like the only 10-7 round you've seen in years. Like, we know how good he is and know how dominant he is. And if Reese could go in and beat him, it'd be huge. And I'm, I'm being a bit negative saying it's a tough matchup, but it's a fucking big opportunity as well if he can beat him. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm delighted to see Reese in the UFC. We're, okay, we we're, we're might be Irish, might be a little bit biased. <laughs> but, yeah, fuck it, we are. Fair play to Reese. And, uh, it's great to see Irish people. Look, it helps us. It helps everyone. Everyone listen to this podcast. Actually, there's more American people listening to the podcast now than Irish people, which is uh, odd. I just looked at the numbers there the other day. I was like, that's that's a bit mad. But anyway, uh, yeah, fair play to Reese. Congratulations. So most of our listeners are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about <laughs> we, for 10 minutes? We just wasted 13 minutes there. But I think they like it because of that. Well, I actually had someone tweet the other day from America, and he says he loves the us talking about Irish fighters and uh, you know Irish side of MMA. And from our perspective, looking at uh, American MMA as well, because like... I don't think you could always get that because people like are afraid to talk about fighters and afraid to say things in case they you know get a boxing event or something and like well, what's gonna happen to us like door, door, I already got it from fucking Richard Kiley so I can't get it any worse anyway so it's not too bad anyway any any more crack Graham no we finished there yeah well like uh, you said like uh, you know we 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 didn't I did, well, you probably talked about it since but I didn't talk about which in Norman Park obviously uh, yeah the fight had his rubber match with uh, mm. Gamrot and it, it didn't he missed weight and that's a, that's a recurring problem that will like if the UFC were thinking about getting you back that's a problem that probably put them off yeah um but uh, maybe maybe. I don't know. Maybe Reese getting there will re-motivate Norman. He's obviously a, a long term, a long time teammate. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Norman seems to like if you if you're not making weight, it's 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 a really bad look. Like I don't want to like you know rub salt in the wounds or anything. Obviously he lost, but it's just it's it's difficult. Um, it's difficult for like for example for even Bellator to want to put you in a, in a big fight or. Mm-hmm. Or the UFC to want to resign you. Obviously, he was. We, everybody can agree he was caught unbelievably harshly from the UFC. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, it's it's looking like he may never get back there now. Mm-hmm. So like, it's it is huge to have like somebody like Reese coming coming in to kind of breathe fresh life into the the Irish scene and give hope to these these give more hope to these up, up and coming guys who are who are trying to to get to the the big show with with a lack of Irish shows and a lack of shows in general uh, regionally at the moment. Yeah, that's very true. Like, and the guys that kind of fell out of the UFC as well, whether it's, you know, obviously Reds or in Norman, be the the two standout ones, I suppose, with, you know, all the rest kind of retiring. Um, And neither of them were able to get back to it. It, it, That's very true. Like, it's it's a tough road. And for Norman as well, you know, he's kind of had his run, he had a good run in the UFC, even though it ended too quickly. Then he had, you know, that big fight, was it, was it in Batman, or Bell- I think it was in Bellator with, with Paul Redmond, and he decided to go to KSW. He said on that show he was on the last day with all the fucking expletives and madness, that he was getting paid more by KSW than he was <clears throat> from the UFC. So, like, I'm sure he's happy enough. He's Like, he seems to be living in Poland and speaking Polish and every now and Like, KSW suits Norman, and I feel like they'll keep having him back. They seem to love him as well. So, I, I think, you know, for for us and for maybe Irish MMA fans, we'd love to see more people in the UFC, and we'd love to see Norman in the UFC if he was able to get streak another few wins together. Um, 
but I think he, I think he's happy enough in KSW. Okay, we the last like the, that fight itself. I saw him on uh, on Instagram. You know, no excuses and stuff, and he said he never got going. And that was my first thought in the fight as well. Gamrat did unbelievably well to kind of stop him from getting going, uh, if you want to put it that way. But he just was just banging in one twos right down the middle of Norman all day and burst up his face and his nose. On. There was people talking about Nipok. I didn't think it was that bad. Like I, I you know, it was it wasn't a fight in the Nipok. I think everything that came before it kind of yeah. for a camera fight, it was all a bookboard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's it. That fact versus camera. Has there ever been a weirder trilogy in MMA history than that one? It was. They'll fight again. I bet. I I'd be surprised if they didn't fight again. But uh, yeah, well, I yeah. can see KSW definitely wanted to keep Norman around as well, like uh, mm-hmm. because he's a good test and he's a good like if you know if you want to make a star, he's a good name to beat a guy who has a 100%. positive record in the in the UFC and is obviously a tough style matchup for for a lot of people mm-hmm, 100% uh, right let's get into this card and I suppose we're, while we're on Irish fighters let's talk about uh, Joseph Duffy obviously had a very tough night against Joel Alvarez lost by submission in the first round after you know, getting his leg kicked off him and a few big shots from Joel Alvarez <sighs> Joe came out obviously afterwards and retired. He said he couldn't get going. Said it was a fantastic and made absolutely no excuses. Said he was in the best shape of his uh, career and that he, you know, everything was on point and he just couldn't get going and that uh, he just doesn't have it anymore. Which is reading it last night I was like, oh, that's fucking sad. <laughs> you know, it's for such a nice guy. You know, I don't think anyone is a bad word ever to say about Joseph Duffy as well. Um, it it was a, kind of a sad thing for him to say, and hopefully it's the heat of the moment. You know, he's only had one fight in the last three years. If he can get back and get in there again, and and you know get a get a bit of uh, get a bit of experience under his belt in terms of fight ex- or uh, not experience, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fight practice, whatever. Get game time under his belt. Uh, he could get back to his best again, but. It was a tough fight, wasn't it, for for uh, Joe Stuffy last night? Yeah, it was, and obviously, you know, uh, it's three in a row now that he's lost. Obviously, there's been a big gap in between, but uh, yeah, I could see how he's so down. Like, and obviously, in the, you know, it's it means everything to these guys, and when they win, it's absolutely amazing and whatever. It's like a drug, they say, but when you lose, it is really, really tough to take. So, yeah, if Joe Duffy comes out in a couple of months and says he still wants to retire. I'd, believe it a bit more but at the moment I'd, I'd, I'd say he'd be back yeah I, I, yeah I, I hope he is as well <clears throat> like he hasn't I'm dying here fucking I think of their own or something but um, like he hasn't had that much damage taken or anything like that he hasn't had that much kind of cage time no he's had a, a few very tough fights the Paria fight and a few more and <clears throat> you know last night okay he he took a bit of damage, but not the most damage in the world. You know, he got finished with, yeah. the, with a with The guillotine. James Vick fight was kind of the one where he, he took yeah. a bit of damage. But, like, you know, James Vick and Mark Jacquesi are mm-hmm. about really, really tough matchups as well. Maybe maybe he just need you know, needs to put a, you know, a, a, a quote, season together where he fights three or four times in a year and on a, a smaller scene and uh, on a smaller show maybe or just kind of rebuilds if he still has the passion if he doesn't then he should definitely he should definitely step away but when people retire straight after a fight history will tell us that the chances are they'll be back yeah it does like the thing about i wonder what watching joe last night like i I was looking at joe alvarez and looking at joseph duffy fights before it and they're very sort of similar you know good boxing good kickboxing good jujitsu long kind of fighters and then i watched the fight you know we were talking about i think 
last week or the week before, you don't know how a fight's going to go until you see the two of them standing opposite each other in a cage. And I was like, Jesus, Alvarez is a lot bigger than him. You know, he looked a lot taller than him, fought longer than him. I, f- I feel like if Joseph, and I know there was slight talks of it before, maybe if he went down to featherweight, I think it might benefit him. And if he wants a kind of a new lease of life, maybe that would help. Now, maybe it is impossible with, with the weight cut and everything. And I don't like to see guys cutting more weight, but maybe that's the answer. I think the tough thing as well for Joe, right, if let's say he was to, as you said, get get a few fights and maybe a smaller scene or whatever. Let's say if he was to go to Bellator and join like the Irish guys and maybe fight... Um, you know, a, a Peter Queeley or someone like that, a lightweight in, in Bellator, or, you know, there's there's a few big fights for him there. It, he's in Canada as well, like, and, like, if he was to join the Irish scene in Bellator, I don't know what it, like, would Bellator be willing to, like, okay, we'll fly Joseph Duffy in three or four times a year? You know, they probably would, I suppose, but it's, he seems to be out of that scene a little bit. It doesn't seem to be part of that kind of Irish scene with all those guys. And I, I don't. And getting back to the UFC as well is probably where he wants to be. You know, he went through the cage warriors route before as well. So I don't know. I feel like the UFC mm. would give him another fight, but I wonder what his contract situation is. Like, is his contract up now? Maybe that's why he he thinks he's he's finished. Might be par- partly anyway. Yeah. Um, or if he does have more fights on his contract, I'm sure the UFC are in no rush to to get rid of him. You know, uh, there's some definitely still some interesting matchups for him. A lot of interesting matchups for him. Yeah, I, I in the UFC and outside. Yeah, there was a lot of criticism for that I put it up you know Joseph Duffy the, just a result basically and people were saying oh he's finished and he doesn't he looked horrendous and I yeah he, like he didn't look great you know he, anyone will tell you that but when you're out for that long and don't have that that much fucking fight time under your belt it's it's very tough to look good especially in, against a guy who kind of matches up well with you and you know when he's in in farm or whatever you know I wouldn't be writing Joseph Duffy off yet as a fighter I didn't know he retired or whatever and we yeah we'll take that with a pinch of salt but I wouldn't I wouldn't be writing him off I, I wouldn't write him off completely yet I still think he's a good fighter like he's good jiu-jitsu he's good wrestling he's good striking he's boxing is top class and I, I still think there's a if, if you're listening Joseph don't retire come back come back we need we need guys like you around and uh, I think he can make the comeback but anyway Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's been three and a half years since he got a win. So, like, mm-hmm. maybe if if you know if he gets a yeah, as we said, like a few fights outside, he, he get get a win, a handy win, like maybe not you know an absolute can, but somebody who he, who he should comfortably comfortably beat. Mm. Um, you know, that might give him the fire again. But if he wants to walk away, then like fair play to him. But I think. I think there's even outside of the UFC. We mentioned you mentioned Norman Park making a lot of money, more money than he's making in the UFC outside the UFC with KSW, for example. Like Joe Duffy could do that. Like there's probably you know a few, a few money fights he could do before he he retires if if he if he is dead set on retiring, which which I, I doubt he will. Joseph Duffy versus uh, Artem Lobov. What about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Norman Park, mm-hmm. uh, Gam Gamrot, like mm-hmm. and just just in KSW alone, like and in Bellator, there's loads of matchups as well, like you know. Uh, Paul Redmond, Peter, Peter Quigley, Miles Price. Yeah, even outside of Irish guys, uh, there's a uh, there's matchups for him, a lot of matchups for him in Bellator. Yeah, very true. Um, right, let's go through some of this card. I actually missed the first two fights. I, I did you see either of them? The Tariukin and Spivak fight. They both won unanimous decision. So. I don't know what happened. Something happened. Fair play. Congratulations to <laughs> him two boys winning. Um, Amir Albazi. One of the, I think he's the guy fighting out of London Shoe Fighters, isn't it? Which is the golden rule is to, is to back, back lads out of London Shoe Fighters because almost all is win. He looked fantastic. You know, got on top of uh, Malcolm Gordon a couple of times and 
almost finished him at one stage and Gordon did a great job got on top and then uh, he just got the triangle, the triangle and yeah. ate him up but it looked hashtag jiu-jitsu doesn't work there was, there was a <laughs> lot of fucking jiu-jitsu on this guard a lot of submission wins and I just I'll avoid the fact that I ever said anything bad about jiu-jitsu for this card and this card only and I get back to it next week but anyway um, Brett Johns then Close yeah, fight. He, yeah. he looked he looked very strong in there like uh, I expected <laughs> Brett Johns to have more wrestling success but he, he, Montel Jackson put up a really close re, really good fight and it was really close like I wasn't watching it scoring it I wasn't watching it that close scoring it but when the decision was going to be read I wasn't sure which way it was going to go like you were probably watching a bit closer than me maybe it wasn't Maybe it wasn't as as nip and tuck as I thought, but uh, yeah. I was impressed by Montel Jackson. I thought the two, I thought all the rounds were close. One Jackson won, was it the first or second one? Won pretty hand, uh, not handily, but he won pretty well. I think. I think it was the first, and he already knocked John's down, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it <laughs> it was one of those fights where it got into the third, and you're like, oh, it's probably one one. And I think John's just did enough. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen a fighter. As strong as Montel Jackson at Bantamweight. Like, he must be the pound-for-pound pound strongest fighter in the world. He mu- Like, he must be. Because Brett Johns is no fucking weakling. Like, he's a strong guy. As you said, good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu, good everywhere. And, and you know, not not, a, not some, you know, fast guy going around and built for speed and nothing else. He's a strong guy for that Bantamweight division. And Montel Jackson was just, like, catching him by the wrist and standing up and pulling him around. Like, wrist-controlling him around the whole fucking cage. It was crazy. But, uh... Yeah, a good fight. It was a really good battle. There was lots of good fights in this card, and we kind of predicted it, I think, the last time we did the podcast. But um, there was there was some really good fights, and I really enjoyed that. The Grant dawson Nad Naramani fight then was another kind of battle. Um, I thought it was uh, Grant Dawson all the way. I thought he won the second 10-8. Um, and Nad Naramani, I think, maybe won the third. The third was close, but the first as well, Grant Dawson won. It was kind of what what expect what, what everyone expected, kind of a grappling matchup. Uh, Grant Dawson with his superior jiu-jitsu at times almost got the choke a few times, but Nad Naramani did a good job of uh, of defending and survived to the end. But uh, you know, Nad been around the scene as well. It's not been the best couple of days in the world for for Cage Warriors fighters or for Cage Warriors champions. Maybe there was a few one one fights, but uh, Nad Naramani lost. Chris Fishgold lost. Um, what what do you think of that one, the the Dawson Naramani one? Yeah, it was a it was a tough night for Nadi. Uh, like he just got outclassed. Basically, uh, he's obviously very tough and, and hung in there. But obviously, there was a ten eight in there as well, and uh, it was a tough night for him. Uh, just just nothing really he could do uh, except except get outclassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like Grant Dawson's a good fighter as well. So nothing, uh, you know, nothing against Nad. hundred percent. He's he's good as well and a hard nosed guy and a guy who could probably stick around in the UFC for a good bit uh, with the right matchups. But Grant Dawson is. You know, but he's jiu-jitsu that good. He's wrestling that good. He's a, it's a tough matchup for uh, for Nad Naramani. Um, yeah, like Nad is still yeah. definitely a tough matchup for a lot of people. But yeah. in a matchup like that, he he's just outclassed, and there's mm-hmm. there's not much you can you can really do in that situation. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, then in the headliner of the prelim card, we had Roman Delidza fighting Cadiz Ibrahimov, and he landed a beautiful knee right right on the chin. It's one of those ones, you know, a little bit like Marlon Moraes versus um, Aljamain Sterling. Although I think this was a little bit more, maybe not planned, but a little bit more sweet kind of. Um, I just turned the lights out and you left your man on the ground and he was just like, what the fuck happened? You know, one of, one of those knockouts when the opponent doesn't know what happened and the guy who, <laughs> who got it is just like going around celebrating. He's like, uh, what, what's happening here? What, what's going on? And it was it was a thing of beauty and a lovely uh, a lovely KO at light heavyweight. Um, 
And then in the main card, the Askar Askarov fight versus Pantoja. What do you think of that one, Graham? Was yeah, a good fight, wasn't it? Two good yeah. flyweights. Yeah, I, I actually thought Pantoja would probably edge a decision uh, before the fight, but mm-hmm. I think Askarov definitely did enough. Uh, I was impressed by him. You know, Pantoja is definitely no uh, easy matchup for anybody. He's he's well rounded, but. Uh, you know, and especially after after a tough first round for Askarov, it looked like it was it was kind of going to go the way I thought. But he he just he just was was better than, than Pantoja. He had better cardio. He had his his, his reversals were better. He he just uh, he just did enough, and uh, it was an impressive win because Pantoja. You know, uh, maybe he's not a, a world beater, but he's he's a very good litmus test. Mm-hmm. Like when you beat someone as good as Pantoja like that. It's you know coming in at twelve and all as well. You know how good you are, Pantoja. I think look on his record, are twenty two and five. I think he is, which is a fantastic record, obviously, and uh, especially in around there. And yeah, Askarov is he the next in line? He could like he could very well be if if someone doesn't pop up before him. Very very good fighter. And maybe the problem with flyweight and always kind of has been is guys maybe getting shots a little bit too early. But when you beat Pantoja like that and you twelve and all. Oh, it's going to be very hard, uh, maybe even after one more, to, to deny him of a title shot. So, very, very good yeah. win. So, And, you know, the, the last loss from Toja before that was a decision to uh, Figueiredo. And we, we, it's easy to see It's easy to see now how, and that was like, you know, obviously he lost a decision, but that was a, a good result. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. When you get that close to someone as good as Figueiredo, which obviously we'll get on to, it was, uh, it was good. So, makes uh, Askarov's win look even even better. Um, Ariana Lipsky then got a pretty straightforward win against Luan Carolina. We haven't seen a knee bar like that in a while. <laughs> no, we haven't. Although, there was, what one was I watching recently? There was, there was, it was Maybe it was an arm bar, actually, in, in a similar sort of uh, way. But, yeah, she kind of... They just ended up on the ground. They were moving around for a while. And then she, it was like... She, I think Bisping said on the on the broadcast she was going for a, a half slicer on herself. <laughs> it looked like at one stage, and then she just pulls up the knee and and uh, straightens out the leg and gets the knee bar. Very good. Like Ariane uh, Ariane Lipsky came into the UFC and she lost to Molly McCann and she lost to Gillian Robertson or someone. Lost two fights in a row after coming from KSW and looking like an absolute beast there, and everyone thought, you know, she was going to be fighting for the title soon, it was only a matter of time, and, you know, it didn't go her way at the start, but now she's coming back and she's looking good again, obviously we know what she's like on the feet on the, and on the ground as well, getting people in uh, fucking knee bars now, very good, and Lipsky, would be would you be surprised if in maybe 2021 she fought uh, uh, Valentina Shashinka? Well, I think she definitely needs another couple of wins, yeah. like it was definitely a step down against Carolina, or Carolina, but um, yeah, I think you know it, it was like she easily won, so you you can only kind of beat what's the frontier. But I think it, it's kind of wait and see. Mm-hmm. And it was Joanne Calderwood. Sorry, she lost on UFC as well, not Jillian Robertson. So yeah, it, it is. I'm not saying she's going to get it straight away, but I think the quality is there with Lipsky. Maybe we didn't see it in those first two fights, but I think. You know, I think maybe if she had those two fights again, it might be a little bit different. But may- maybe that's a fight to make. Maybe Lipsky versus Molly McCann is yeah, the fight to make. Kind of caliber, that kind of caliber of fighter, maybe like mm-hmm. you know somebody who's not quite knocking on the door of a, a title shot or a top five, but somebody who's definitely a known quantity and somebody who's beaten her before does does make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that fight now. If maybe if there's cards back in in the UK or something in a while, you know, Lipsky is a big fan base, obviously with the the Polish community. I always forget that she's not Polish. I'm like, oh yeah, she's Brazilian. What? <laughs> Because she's fighting in KSW for so long. Uh, I don't know why. But anyway. Um, this Fizzleyev-Jakesi fight. 
Jacasey might be the best fighter in the UFC who keeps losing. Like he might be. So, <laughs> yeah. like, he's the so match is just like ah. Oh. Yeah, it's like give. Joe, do you think Joe Silva would have done this to Jacasey? Like I, I feel like he would have built him a little bit better and gave him these matchups in three or four fights rather than now. Like ah, oh, I don't know. He just like he's so good. Like Fizyev, obviously not. You know, Jacasey's around this area and and stuff, and that's why we were talking about him more maybe. But Fizyev is obviously very very good too. Those body shots in the first round were absolutely huge, landing on top of a couple of times. Second round a little bit closer, but the power shots again. Like I, I tweeted at the time, Fizyev is like a judge's dream. That's what the judges want to see. They want to see power shots like that, and you you give them an opportunity to give you the round when you're throwing big power shots like that. The third in match, Jacasey kind of upped the pace, and he was landing his power shots as well. Like Jacasey was throwing a lot, but I feel like Jacasey might be a little bit. Uh, worried that he might um, gas out a little bit and is holding back any shots, whereas Fiziev was just throwing him and throwing him and throwing him, and then he kind of did gas out. So you know, it was he got the two rounds in the bag before he did that anyway. And one judge gave him the third as well. Obviously, that was the third was close enough, but uh, two very good fighters, aren't they? And t- two guys who you could see going a long way in the UFC. But lost a lot now. I think Jacasey kind of it seemed like he thought he'd have an advantage in the in the wrestling that kind of wasn't there. Um. <laughs> like he's he's known as a striker in the UFC but before before his kind of last few fights uh, before getting to the UFC he was using a lot of wrestling and maybe people kind of thought maybe he thought he could kind of you know rely on that he can use that in this fight but it wasn't there and he he was on the feet longer longer than maybe he wanted to be but you know he, he did he did uh, hang tough like uh, it was a it was a close fight uh, even though it was a it was a clear like correct decision and all that but you know he, he it's not as if he got blown into the water he is he is close to, to kind of putting it all together and Maybe, you know, obviously the wins he's coming off before this, like Joe Duffy and Lando Vanada are very good wins. Uh, so he's like he's definitely, uh, like, you know, one who's going to stick around and has a lot of potential. But, you know, you, you got to make it happen soon. I think, I think, like, maybe, maybe... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what kind of match would be go for next. Like, it's it's hard to know what to do with him. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, like... Because they've thrown him to the wolves so many times now, are they going to like roll it back and try to match-make him properly? They don't really do that, do they? They're not doing it anymore, are they? Yeah. It's... And that's not good, like. That's not good. Guy, you know, bringing guys like Jacasey and Reese McKee into the UFC and giving them matchups like that immediately. Like, I'm not saying baby him or giving him fucking cans or anything, like, but... Don't... Like... You you should be building up uh, Fizzy of one way and Jacasey another way in a similar sort of way and have him meet in four fights time and the same with Reese and Jimayev and other people I, I think throwing him in straight away in fights like that who's it benefiting like like it's it's definitely not benefiting the UFC yeah. it's not been I think I, maybe like you know they did try to put together Stevie Ray and Joy Herbert and, and Alan Patrick was the initial opponent on this card so mm-hmm. like maybe it was just because they needed fights and they yeah. needed opponent they just threw it together at the last minute but it's definitely a you know, it's it's it, he's come back from three losses in a row before, like you know, so to, to be Joe Duffy and, and Lando, so it's it's not as if he hasn't had kind of his back against the wall before, but uh, yeah, I think maybe like you know, if you make that Joy Herbert or or Alan Patrick fight again, maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. Just kind of go back to the initial plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the the comment event, Jack Romanson versus Kelvin Gaslam. Um, we talked about I think I did the podcast with myself and Andy the last day and I said th- this fight will really depend on which Kelvin Gastelum shows up 
uh, and he got heel hooked in 78 seconds. So yeah. I think I, I was kind of thinking that as well. But I like I looked at Calvin Gaslam weighing in. He looked okay. I I, I thought I thought this was this fight was going to go very differently. I think, I think I have a history of uh, underestimating Jack Manson. I yeah. I need to make a mental note of that. I, I've always maybe I've overestimated him. I've always liked Jack Manson. I think he's very good, and he, you know he didn't get much time to bounce around like a flyweight in this fight. But uh, in fairness to Calvin, I'm maybe a bit harsh. But Hermanson went for a takedown and. Kelvin immediately kind of turned his body around and, and flipped the weight around on him and landed on top but Hermanson tried to get out with the heel hook initially Gaslam got out of it went, got down again went for the heel hook again and, and got tapped with it like I'm sure all the jiu-jitsu nuts are like oh I got a heel hook you know jiu-jitsu works but like who gets fucking heel hooked Ken Shamrock was the last one to heel hook someone in the UFC like you know and fucking you're, you're, you're like 1980s. Ben Herman is that, is that Ben Herman <laughs> you're, Herman, you're Ben Herman Ed Herman, Ed Herman. Yeah. fuck yeah. sake yeah. Ed like, Herman sorry in fairness like, all who's right. Ben Herman is there a Ben Herman, ben Herman? I don't know Are you no maybe I just made that person up <laughs> I think you uh, did yeah. yeah he just doesn't work and then yeah it clearly does top level MMA okay you one rear naked choke win in fucking after the guy was the shit beat out of him in in a in a main event in a title fight in fucking 10 months congratulations jiu jitsu works yeah it's it's, it's great yeah 100% but stop I, living in the past when jiu jitsu <laughs> didn't work John. sorry yeah for one night one night only jiu jitsu works congratulations to you uh but yeah look a good win for hermanson he was kind of on that role for a for a while there and looking good and maybe convincing a lot of people that he he was championship level and then he lost to Jared Conanier. You know, when you beat Jack or I beat David Branch and Talis Latis and Gerald Marshart before it as well, you you know, you kind of change people's minds, but then you lose to Cannonier and lose to him, you know, in the second round by a ground and pound. But that Gaslam win as well puts him right back in the picture and make no mistake about it, um, Jack Romanson is one of the best fighters in the world at middleweight and he's right there and he booked the, the division afterwards and I think he probably did a good job of it as well with uh, with Till versus uh, Whitaker coming up next week and it looks like um, Paulo Costa is going to fight uh, Israel Adesanya, so interesting interesting yeah. have you been like have you seen much like kind of from the Swedish media I remember like how behind Gustafsson they mm. were is that happening again with Jack Manson or because he's kind of been flying under the radar for so long uh, I don't know if you have your maybe Phil is the Phil O'Connor is the, the best person to ask about this he's not he's trained in Sweden but I don't think he's I think he's Norwegian isn't he so maybe that's it he's Swedish Norwegian it says here on Wikipedia and he has like the Norway flag and these things is also well it says he was born in Sweden so I don't know maybe I don't know yeah Oh no! It says he's yeah, fighting out of Norway. Oh yeah, he's fighting on Norway. It's the other way around. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, I don't know. It's like if an underfighter come through in Ireland, do you think there'll be as much about him as there is about um, as there is about Conor McGregor? Like no, but uh, Gustafsson never had the personality. Like never did a good interview in his whole career. Like mm-hmm. you know, he never had the the star power. Like it's a different situation. I think. True. Yeah. True. And uh, Dr- Gustafsson was quiet and mm-hmm. kind of he kind of went under the radar for a while too. Um. Maybe but obviously the John Jones fight was kind of yeah. when it exploded for him. Yeah, and like a lot of people thought he won that fight, so maybe that's probably why it is. But maybe Hermanson needs a fight like that. You know, he needs a title fight to and a close fight, maybe to win a title for him to to do that. Like with McGregor, when like I suppose like it happened a little bit earlier for McGregor because he was so outlandish and he he, he was kind of lucky as well in the way that he got the interim fight before he got the because people saw how good he was in, in that and that he could come back from adversity and then fight Josie Aldo in like the big, big fight. And uh, I suppose it all kind of worked out well for him as, as we've talked about a thousand times. But uh, yeah, I, I, 
it do, like it's tough isn't it like it doesn't always happen for people and yeah for her man maybe i'll get phil on and, and ask him about it or, or just give him a text and talk about it in the next one but uh yeah he's a, he's a good fighter and he deserves it anyway because he's he's right up there and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next for him uh and in the main event uh davidson figueredo versus joseph benavidez and this went about as planned, I think. I thought it was going to be a dominant win for mm. Figueredo. I didn't see yeah, it. I think, yeah. think Figueredo beat him better, beat him more impressively oh, than I expected. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Benavidez is obviously, like, we've seen how tough he is and how tough he is to put away. And obviously, Figueredo's done it twice now, but it was kind of a bit of, you know, a head, but a bit of, slight bit of controversy about, about the first one. But there was no controversy about this one. He beat him everywhere and nearly choked him four or five times before he choked him unconscious and yeah uh, I think the ref was a little bit slow but uh, but it was nothing egregious but from from uh, Figueredo's point of view it was it was an absolute masterclass of yeah. a performance against a guy who okay maybe he's you know never been champion but he's he's as good as you, he's as good as a, a fighter who hasn't been champion as there is around and maybe maybe now uh, Figueredo like can you know reign at the top of this division division for for years to come yeah i'd be surprised if he didn't to be honest he's really good like benavides came out I, I, I was talking last week and saying like how can benavides win this fight I, and i couldn't find a way of doing it and i was like maybe he'll come out and just try to run around him and pot shot him from the outside land one shot and get away and win the decision yeah but i thought it, he'd be more cautious uh yeah. benavides and but uh, he, he just got he just got polaxed he was cautious and like a very I don't want to say the word, but stupid way, maybe. I don't like saying it, but it's true. Like, he came out with his just hands up high, and I'm like, right, putting your hands up high is what people roaring in the crowd to talk about MMA say, you know? That's that's not a good way to fight MMA, because someone's just going to fucking punch you in the body or punch you right through the guard with the small little gloves. You know, you have to move your head, you have to move your feet, you have to circle around and get away from people, especially as a fucking flyweight, you know? And especially against someone like Davidson Figueredo, who is so fast and so powerful and so good in all areas and is big and long good on the ground good re- like he's a <laughs> no known weaknesses i think it should be davidson figueredo's uh, uh nickname because he's really really good and improving all the time as well and like when when benavides came out okay he's this big high guard just try- obviously trying to protect his chin and not get fucking knocked out or whatever and then after what maybe a minute he gets knocked down heavily and the fight's almost over and figueredo kind of I think he was maybe a little bit worried about gassing out and he held back a little bit and then there was that choke where Benavidez, like even when Benavidez was hurt, you knew he was going to survive that choke initially and even the second one as well when it was dead in, it was like, oh, does he have him? And no, Benavidez Benavidez, uh, keeps uh, coming back. Then it got back up to the feet, knocked him down again and the last one was like, you can't get out of this, you can't get and he tried his best and he went to fucking sleep uh, because of it but... uh, Benavidez yeah. tough as hell, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But like I said earlier, like you know, he uh, he could reign at the top of the division for years to come. But do you think it's maybe also a case taking nothing away from Devison? But do you think it's a case of Benavidez kind of being over the hill yeah. and you know, just the, the games dev- seems to have developed past him? Yeah, know? it had all of those alpha male fighters kind of did, did that, didn't that? Because like, I don't like, I don't think Uriah Faber did him as well as he probably could have and like I know you're right, he's a great guy and everything but like when Dwayne Ludwig was in there and they were going good and all their striking was improving and then he kind of got rid of him 
and they all kind of stopped that progression and that that was always the problem i think with alpha male fighters which they could kind of get over with their jiu-jitsu and their strength and their wrestling years ago but now you have to be unbelievably well-rounded and just the jiu-jitsu game or just the wrestling game isn't going to get you through and like obviously benavides has kind of moved on he's training in other places now but it's hard to teach all dogs new tricks especially when you're a small guy of what 35 years of age or something like that it's it's tough it's very very tough and yeah i think he's i think he's past his best and it's just unfortunate that he came up against mighty mouse in his prime because he would have been the champion in that division i think everyone agrees you know he beat henry Cejudo, uh and maybe if he came up against henry Cejudo a couple of years ago again and henry was champion he would have beaten him as well but he's just came up against a guy who's it's not it's not just that he's faster than him and younger than him and more athletic than him he's better than him in every way now because maybe not maybe not necessarily in a technical jiu-jitsu match or whatever because that's maybe not as relying on much and uh, as what the rest of mma is but he's uh, it, yeah it the game has just passed him by a little bit and it, it, it like i saw josh gross put up a thing the other day who would win in their prime was it tyron woodley or matthews or something like that i'm like that's the stupidest question of all time to ask like obviously tyron woodley is going to beat him yeah. or any modern fighter or usman sorry it was um like the game just progresses so much it's very different from other sports well. other sports progress as well but like you know slower like, because yeah, yeah they've been around longer yeah exactly like soccer a soccer team from the 90s could compete with a soccer team from from today like okay no, maybe the team no. from today no but they compete maybe they wouldn't win or maybe it'd be 2-0 or something but if matthews fought usman he would destroy him like it would not be close they would get absolutely destroyed. even when you see somebody like you know matthews when he like he kind of his time at the top was over and gsp beat him it, it was uh, like a devastating win like you know when the guard changes usually it doesn't change in like a really close fight you, you see that these guys just don't have the the abilities to well-roundedness okay maybe like it was more prominent back or more obvious back in the day when you know somebody like gsp was kind of nearly one of the first really well-rounded champions that the ufc had and matthews had a bit of striking but he was a wrestler mm-hmm. you know and he had a bit of jiu-jitsu but he was a wrestler yeah. and there's no way like Matthews will get absolutely like absolutely annihilated yeah yeah 100% not um, even by like an Osman by a random UFC fighter or Bellator fighter yeah I agree no. yeah 100% and it's sad to think of that as well because like these like I know everyone loves chocolate ale I was a big fan of chocolate ale back in the day and fighters like that and it's kind of maybe sad to think of it like that and I'm sure like if Matt Hughes was fighting today and Matt Hughes is 23 years old today he could be a world champion like because he's really athletic and he'd learn all the boxing and he'd learn all of that but he just didn't have those techniques at his time and he didn't have the progression of the sport at his time not saying that Matt Hughes is not a great athlete or not a great fighter or anything but he's just his time wasn't as good as the time is today in terms of ability you know so yeah it's the same with footballers you know like their their fitness maybe it would have been a lot better but it wasn't Mm, it wasn't (laughs) you know exactly yeah uh i'm rating that fight 5.5 out of 10 uh i think it's obviously a very one-sided fight but very entertaining so i don't think it deserves lower than that i probably actually should have given it maybe a little bit higher but my my yeah i was thinking 6.2 or something because it was very very impressive performance um yeah, like that. Like looking at the record of Figueroa, uh, it's only a year and a half ago since he lost a decision to Formiga, and kind of we've seen kind of Formiga and drop three in a row. And you know, there's there's definitely a lot of exciting matchups there. But he just he just looks to be improving. Um, you know, obviously Pantoja victory by decision, the Tim Elliott guillotine, and now 
two finishes uh, over Joe Benavidez and with with the kind of Henry's well like Henry's Cejudo's kind of talking about coming back now is he he's, he's yeah. asking on Twitter about going to 145 though I think so. yeah but like you know if, if if he makes a return maybe maybe that could put a that would definitely put a spanner in the works for uh, for Devison but yeah, like looking at the top, the top guys around, I, I, I see him being a very difficult matchup for for everybody. Mm-hmm. One or two questions here before we go. I see a great, great question here from Ian O'Neill. Who would win in a fight right now between Demetrius Johnson and Davidson Figueredo? Uh, I'd have to go with Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, fuck! I want to fight that be though. What a fight that would be! I would. Jesus, I. There isn't many fights in MMA I'd rather see right now than that. That is a fantastic fucking fight. Uh, I'd love to see that, but yeah, anyway, we'll see. Um, one or two questions. If they can, here. if they can build Devison Figueroa as like a kind of dominant champion, and then bring back Demetrius Johnson, maybe that would be the the kind of storyline that they never really had with with Demetrius Johnson that could get some yeah. non hardcore MMA fans interested. I'd love to see DJ back. I'd I'd love to see him back. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're we're going to do another podcast for next week's card, and uh, I'll put that out for free on everyone. And this feed is also if you're listening to it here, probably. I don't know, Thursday or Friday or something like that. So um, we said we're going to do that for Fight Island and people kind of agreed, so we'll do that. So it'll be uh, back to normal then from next week on, more than likely. Um, I, I see another t- couple of questions here, Graham. We'll just throw them at you quickly. Who's a harder fight for Conor McGregor? Jorge Masvidal or Justin Gaethje? Uh, Justin Gaethje. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100% by miles, I think. Um, who would you give the title fight to next? Uh, or would you... Would you uh, Moreno versus Askarov. Moreno or Askarov? I I think you give it to Moreno. Askarov. I, don't know. I think Askarov. Uh, yeah, I think Askarov. I think it's a little bit early for Askarov still. I think you give it to uh, give it to Moreno and see see where the the cards fall after that. But I don't know. It's there's, there's lots of good fights. And maybe just because I'm more interested yeah, in that fight. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't mind either. Who impressed you most from the card last night? Like looking through it. <laughs> Mm. Hard not to say Figueredo, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Jack Hermanson as well, though. Yeah, like, fucking hell, you know. That, yeah, Jack Hermanson probably because I, I thought Gasolin was was probably put him away mm-hmm. uh, on on the feet, and uh, yeah, he just he, he just it was a really impressive win for Jack Hermanson, and mm-hmm. and maybe because I underestimated, I always underestimate him, and I, I was kind of shocked by maybe that kind of lifts up how impressed I was by him. But yeah. yeah, I think I think it was him. Yeah, very true. And uh, last thing as well, I must mention it. Cage Warriors on their way back. I know we mentioned on the podcast before, but the dates were released uh, this week, I think. So they're going to have three fights, three nights in a row. I believe it's in September. So that's huge as well, isn't it? Like for the up and coming, we, we see Reese McKee, you know, getting into the UFC uh, last night, and the likes of Paul Hughes and all the lads I mentioned earlier, and Ian Gary and all coming up through. It's it's huge for them, and great to see Cage Warriors back, isn't it? Just as we we wrap up here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's great to see you know any kind of shows that Irish guys can fight on because as we always talk about, there there's just a complete lack of uh, opportunities mm-hmm. for all of these guys and they, their development and their their growth as MMA fighters is being stunted by this. So uh, yeah. any like the, the sooner ever Cage Legacy, all the shows get back, the better. Yeah, hundred percent. And Cage Legacy have the date announced as well in uh, Halloween. So hopefully they'll be able to put that together, and hopefully all these cards will be able to put together, and hopefully the fucking Dorona stays away, and we can all be uh, we can all be happy with it. So, right, everyone, thanks very much for listening. I really appreciate it. And all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. Silent people have the loudest minds. We'll see you next Tuesday, or maybe Thursday or Friday.